had a good memory, but I, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's at least six since I left Malaysia. So about six or seven years. Um, oh my but goodness. You went back to Thailand with your, with, with your mom, right? Afterwards. Mm. Where she came to visit you? No, Karina's mom came to visit us oh, when Karina's we were there. Mom. Yes. So the little bit of the background is basically, uh, we met in Southern Thailand, uh, not quite in the armpit of Southern Thailand, but pretty close to the coconut uh, plantations of Trong, which I picked because of the fact that they still spoke Hokkien Chinese, some of the people. I thought it was one of the more Chinese towns that I found in the South. And uh, lo and behold, I had to get some ID photos along with some other co-teachers, and I met two lovely people, <laughs> you and your cousin, yeah? Yes, me and Karina, best friends from where is it? University we met. So we're yeah. not we're not actually related. So we're just best friends that we've met in university together in Toronto here. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. that was the big thing. Like people didn't know that if you were sisters, if you were cousins, if you were lovers, <laughs> uh, you know, what was going on, right? Yeah, so, no one knew. It was yeah, it was it was such a, a kind of a special time, I think, for Trong, because it was kind of an influx of foreigners living there at that time. Yeah. Um, and it was so funny because I was there before the pandemic. I went to visit uh, Dave. And of course, it was the same old characters, you know, Ben and a couple yeah. of the other guys. Uh, so that, that hasn't changed. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And so what, what brought you guys to Thailand? Um, so it's funny because I tell my students the story all the time, but we were both working in Toronto. We were downtown Toronto. I was working for an investment bank. Karina was working for a um, an editing company, a writing company, and we hated our jobs. <laughs> like we couldn't <laughs> stand them, and we were just like, we have to get out of here. This cannot be life. Like this can't be it. And so, <laughs> I always had my teaching degree. Um, and I was like, let's travel. Let's go teach abroad somewhere. She's like, okay, let's do it. We took a course to teach. Um, she took a course, we took it together to be able to teach abroad. And then we started Googling people. So we're like, you know, Thailand's a nice place. The money goes pretty far in terms of our Canadian dollar. Like you should be able to live a decent life. You know, we talked to other people about the experience of being black in that country. And, you know, everyone's like, yeah, people are really friendly. It's a, you know, a good place. And so we're like, okay, let's look into Thailand. And then we did a little more research by the time we found, um, we found an agent who was basically the connect between the public school we ended up working for. And he was like, yeah, we have a position here in Trang. And I was like, Trang. And I was like, I love it. It's in the South. It's hot. Let's do this. And so we booked a ticket and we were out literally like a month later. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Trong definitely has its own little unique gravity. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I, I wish it was just a little bit closer to the coast. I we know. took that, that epic scooter trip across the ferry one time to go to yeah. uh, I think Kantong uh, or Yantong Beach or whatever else, which is always a favorite one. Yeah, that was yeah. a pretty good day. We had on it was. I think that was one of the things I enjoyed so much about hanging out with you too. It's like we explored places that me and Karina would have never known or even thought to go. And then we always felt safe too. So it was just like, yeah, let's do this. Like it was very much a family vibe. I loved it. Oh yeah, for sure. We, we had a, a really good group uh, there for a couple of months together as we were kind of working together and hanging out. And then, of course, Dave and Meow had the, the corner spot, which turned out to be a good hangout for everybody. Oh, but what a, what a cast of characters. And I think that's the thing that, that, that enthralled me or enchanted me immediately with both of you guys is the fact that 
you were black and, and teaching in, in Asia in this profession, which is racist as hell, uh, <laughs> in the sense that, you know, they always want a white face and they'll get a they'll get a kid from Poland who can't even speak English over a person of color. Uh, who's like, you know, 10 times qualified and so forth. Yeah. So I was happy to see that, that they were a bit more receptive Open. there. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to like some of my friends in China that have had, well, they've had hell as a person of color um, yeah. until they learn Chinese and then, you know, that everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't judge once they get to the skill pretty much. That's so, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, that's the thing. If you have skill, they'll, they'll accept it so much, but the initial response, of course, is they just have no experience with, with, with people of color. You know, it's 90% Han in Chinese. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's a time machine. They're just so far removed. But I, I would say that the type of racism is more like a, maybe a, like a xenophobia as opposed to a, a sort of the, the vitriol and the racism that we have here. And so I was I was been completely shocked over mm. this transition, of course, in this whatever alternative timelines that we know that we're in because things are so <laughs> bizarre is I could never understand the, the Canadian sort of Trumpism or the Canadian sort of, uh, you know, make America great again, but in the Canadian version, how many Canadian expats, usually uptight white males, uh, are so, you know, like going for it. I'm like, you're Canadian. Like, how does this even apply to you aside from the adjoining country? Yeah, I don't know. I wish I could tell you, but I think it's the same underlying like current. There is this idea of like we want to keep things the way things are. And there's this everything else that's different from who they are is then like an attack to them. And so and the thing about Canada is or let's not say Canada, Toronto in particular, it's very diverse. But the rest of Canada is not. So for the most part, you're having like if you go drive outside of Toronto a couple of, you know, kilometers or so. It's like, it gets very, very rural and very, very sparse. You don't see as many immigrants, people of color. And so again, their outlook is just very different. Their ideas are very different. And it comes back to this, they kind of have that mentality, like, let's make Canada great again. Let's, you know, we have to come together and everyone else is, you know, a problem more or less. And it's pretty sad, unfortunately. Well, it, it seems like there's this thing, even with, with immigrant families, which is, let's close the door behind us. Oh. Uh, and that's a conversation I've had with, with some other immigrants, even some other countries. I ran into uh, two guys who were uh, Pakistani, who had relocated to UK, and mm -hmm. one was, was for Brexit, one was against Brexit. And so they had a pretty good debate. And then basically I said, well, that's kind of odd. I mean, you guys both come from an immigrant family. Why is immigration such an issue for you guys? And he said, well, the mentality is that, okay, we're in, so let's close the door because we know that it's going to cause problems and so forth. And we have a lot of that here as well. I mean, I have people yeah. in my own family that, you know, obviously are Mexican, but don't you know, have really sort of strange ideas about immigration, which is bizarre to me because anybody that's dri driven across this country knows that we have more than enough resources to take on as much as we need right but honestly how it goes yeah it definitely comes from like a what's the word am i looking for it's a mindset of uh it's like a fear mindset or like a lacking where there's scarcity, just not enough. scarcity. scarcity mindset thank yeah, you that's what course. i was looking for of course yeah that's that's what drives the, the, the engine for the most part in this case 100 so you you finished out your your time in uh, thailand i i did a runner i left early after you did yeah left I, I didn't finish my contract there were some things when we changed our schedule, they gave me some course loads that I thought the reason why they want me to do that was, yeah, because it was expensive and they, they give it to the foreigner. 
So I said, no, I'm not there. I'm going back to, to make more money. But it was fun. <laughs> so you guys finished. And then, then what happened? You came back to uh, Toronto and then went yeah. into regular teaching? Or? Yeah. So that's basically it. We wanted the intention was to come back to Toronto, save a little bit more money and possibly go away to a Spanish speaking country. So we were looking at Chile and Costa Rica. And by the time we got here, it's just like you got caught up in the normal run of the mill life. It's crazy how fast. So came back. I was doing I forgot what I did. I ended up getting like a telemarketing job for a little bit. And then from there, I was able to get a job uh, at a private school. And then Karina really got into her writing career. And so we ended up just like digging really deep into making like roots here in Toronto. And so now we are we're here. But yeah, so we never ended up going away again, sadly. That's that's the thing about it is, you know, that was always been my hesitation about returning because, you know, I figure my last move, my next move will be my last move, so to speak. And so I have to sort of decide at that case. Where? You're right. I mean, you show up and then, of course, going through the pandemic for us, we were yeah. we were in Copenhagen in January okay. when I got when I got the sort of strange messages on, on WeChat, the Chinese mm. uh, Twitter platform. Uh, from my cohorts in Wuhan, and, and it was, you know, science fiction, sort of <laughs> very scary, like people dropping in the streets and so forth. So I, oh I said to Gail, I said, let's cancel everything, because I was thinking SARS at that time. I said, we can't go back. Yeah. And so we, we waited for about six months, and then I think she got worried and wanted to come see her family, so we came back. And that was my apprehension, is like, once you're back, like, it's hard to get back out again. It um, is. It so really is. But, but you girls have managed to go to, still go to Carnival, right? Yes. So that same year we came back. Um, so the February of that year, we ended up going to Carnival in Trinidad, um, which was an amazing experience. I've never been. Karina has because she's uh, half Trinidadian. And so it was just it's a ball. If you've never been, it's costumes. It's like it's I don't know. It's like the whole country is partying at the same time. That's exactly what it's like. And it's a part of the culture. So my, my parents are Caribbean, but from other smaller islands in Antigua and Grenada. And so I grew up with it. I grew up with the music, but it is different. Like it is something I think you just, even just to go to see, because it's, it's a wonderful time. Like people are just enjoying life. That is it. It is have a drink, walk around, dance, be happy. That's, that's it. <laughs> and so how long does the celebration go on? Ooh, honestly, <laughs> like so a month or something right? I, that's what it feels like so they start partying well in advance and then like well after but it's only like two days it's like a two-day event where you end up being like on the road in a costume with feathers and beads and the whole nine oh, yards man. you girls yeah. look so fabulous i mean i like Thanks. it's like like one part showgirl one part burlesque it's a uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's carnival, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. And with the steel drums and the parades oh, and the whistles and, and just no. people having fun. What a vibe, man. No, I can is. see why you guys are hooked up, for sure. That was percent. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm ready to go again. <laughs> I was supposed to go away the July of COVID that summer, and then all of the carnivals got canceled. So I was supposed to do it in St. Lucia. So all the islands do it. Um, and so they just do it at different dates. But yeah, so I got to remake up for that last one. I see. Um, so how's the sort of the safety issue for young women participating in Carnival? You know what? That's always a concern. I think we were lucky. So like we, she has a lot of family down there and they usually will 
come from the States, wherever they're at, and like come and migrate to uh, Trinidad just for carnival. So we were lucky. We had, she had older cousins, guy cousins who were around us. And they're really, they're protective. Exactly. So they're just like, you have to, because there are issues and, you know, things happen. And in the past, in the last little while, there's been a couple of things with Trinidad and like women going missing and things like that. So there's, it's always a concern. Obviously, everywhere you go, you just have to be safe extra safe and cautious as a woman and during those times when there's so many people it can be scary but it wasn't we felt safe we know she had family there we were with people that we trusted as well and so i think just having a good core group of people that you can trust around you you're solid yeah that's awesome yeah that's great it's it, you know it reminds me a little bit of uh, some of the situation that happens like a full moon party again because yes. alcohol is involved and alcohol plus sometimes and then of course people get you know, uh, a little purposely inebriated or blacked out and so forth. I mean, I've been on the boat with people from Koh Samui to Copenhagen and, and listened to like, you know, young British school girls talk about the, the fact that they're purposely going to drink to being blackout drunk so they can, you know, do whatever they need to do with 30 people. I'm like, okay. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's not, not, <laughs> not for me. Yeah, for sure. But just funny, like how people sometimes will gravitate to sort of, you know, degrading themselves on purpose, I guess. I don't know, for whatever reason. Um, let's touch a little bit on, on your, your teaching experience and then uh, some of the community uh, causes or activism that you're sort of, I know you post on Instagram pretty regularly and that's how we keep in touch. And occasionally, you know, we'll get a little bit of uh, information that I think is valuable as far as uh, the situation, you know, is, is around us about so many things. So many. <laughs> so many. Whether oh whether it's on this side of the lakes or the other side of the lakes. Honestly. You know, but I mean, it's always something. Yeah, exactly. You're already like, I can tell you're getting your you're getting because <laughs> that's exactly how we all feel about it for sure. So so give us give us some of your insight on 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 the things that you're you're interested in seeing changed and, and what we can do about it, please. Oh honestly change there's so many i i don't even know where to start especially with what we've seen happen in the last couple of days as well but what i personally work in or i do is i actually work with a non-for-profit company called generation chosen it's a after school program um, that is geared towards marginalized communities here in toronto helping um youth that basically to learn a lot more about emotional intelligence. And so we do a lot of different things, which is really great. It started off um, really low key in a high school with a basketball program, because that was a way to really get a lot of males in particular involved in like having these type of discussions. And so they'd have ball runs, basketball runs. They'd come in because it's like, all right, we can come, we can play basketball in this gym. And then they like slowly the, um, I guess you want to say the founders of the program slowly start to introduce different programming around emotional intelligence. We had speakers coming in and then we able to, we were able to integrate like things like field trips. So we brought them at one point to like a law firm where they're able to like just see different things that they wouldn't normally be experienced to and have conversations about things that they normally wouldn't. Um, and so the whole, the whole program is geared towards that right now. We have a whole section now on things like, it's called navigation, where we're talking about things like financial literacy. Um, outside of that, we have a section that's related for a little bit more for the females, that where they can have like a safe space to talk about emotional intelligence as well as things like financial literacy and these topics. And so I work with them right now. I'm one of the directors for their generation, their feminine gen fem program. Um, so right now we're in the process of creating the curriculum for next year, which starts September, because we're finally allowed to be back in person, which is great. And so we're really excited to see 
who we can come in, have come in, places that we can go and just different conversations we can have with the youth in the city that don't really get these opportunities because there's just a lot lacking. Our school system can only do so much. Our teachers can only do so much. And I literally can speak from experience. <laughs> um, I am a teacher. Uh, I know you know that, but for those that are listening, um, I'm an educator with the Toronto District School Board here in Toronto. And so it's a lot. Um, teachers alone can't do it all. And so trying to teach students the curriculum and then on top of it, like life skills and emotional intelligence and all these other pieces of the puzzle that really help to make well-rounded people in society, it's it's a lot. So we at Generation Chosen are trying to kind of balance it out and give in that way as well. So yeah, that's kind of some of the things that I really work towards and care about right now. Um, I care about a lot more, but there's only so much you can do, right? <laughs> <laughs> bigger battles for sure. That and and I, I like the idea that the approach here is for sort of the EQ prospect, the emotional aspect of learning or the yeah. emotional quotient for having emotional intelligence, because now we, we are now realizing it's that ability to socialize and network with other people that actually create the opportunities that we were looking for, seeking for to, to sort of level up or better ourselves in life, if possible. Exactly. exactly. And, if, and, and if we're talking about uh, some sort of uh, maybe equality in these situations for people and the fact that we're, we're trying to basically uh, give them the tools or skills they need so they can have a be bit successful of, but yeah at least be farther ahead in the race and so forth yeah. uh, in this case what, what's some of the data for the, the numbers that you're talking about when you talk about marginalized students or population what kind of numbers do you have in your program oh so that's a really good question we've had a Oh my goodness. Now I'm trying to think. I wish I knew for sure. I know we've had a couple of like hundred students in like a year's program. So in the past, we would have literally, I would say over at least 100, 150 students coming in to the program, doing different sections, whether it's involved within our, our program, which is nice because they're coming not just from one. So sometimes they're coming from Brampton, which for those of you, it's like another city or a part mm -hmm. of Toronto. It's like a part of the greater Toronto area. And so students really gravitated towards it just because they're allowed to be with their friends. They're in a space where they feel comfortable with other people that are, you know, similar to them. And then they're kind of getting things out of it. Sometimes we had prizes, we would give away grants. We have a lot of different initiatives to try to get them involved and then get them learning at the same time. And so, like you said, um, the key is really to allow them to start to look at how they can help themselves and better themselves in these spaces. Because Emotional intelligence is really one of the things that is lacking when students are, in, or not even just students, when people have been through trauma in their life or hard times, that is one of the areas of the brain that struggles to develop in the ways that it normally would um, to be making better decisions. And so when we start to understand, well, why am I, why do I want to fight somebody when they do something I don't like versus why can't I have a conversation with them? when those things start to click, when they start to realize their own emotions, and then we give them tools to try to better. So whether it's meditating, whether it's writing down, whether it's when we start to have some sort of resources to try to change our ways, um, I think it's all working together to then actually try to help them achieve things that they may not be able to achieve. And then um, one of the other things that we do is also help them out with jobs, job opportunities. So we try to help out in many different facets in the program, which is, I guess, one of the, the beauties of it really. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's, it's the old adage of, you know, all the starfish up washed up on the beach, right? And the little <laughs> kid throwing one at a time. The guy's like, what are you going to do? Right. 
all of them were on the beach. So it's not going to matter. He said, well, it'll matter to that one, right? You know, exactly. You know, and that's the whole thing about teaching. I've always said that too. It's like, okay, if I can make at least one connection, you know, in this class today, something. that'll be something. Because you never know what the effects is going to be. Yep. I think I think for a lot of people, they don't understand sort of the trauma that is inflicted on um, people growing up in inner city or uh, sort of urban environments, especially people of color, how bleak it actually can be of an experience. And so yeah. stuff, something so minor, like, you know, I think back to my own experience, and if it wasn't for like, you know, the Boys Club of America, uh, you know, giving us some sort of other things to do in the afternoon, you know, for sure, I would end up probably spent more time in juvie or whatever else because it's, you got nothing going on in those kind of neighborhoods except getting into trouble or whatever else drug <laughs> exactly games, whatever it may be and so sometimes just having one little place rope or go. anchor or something thrown out can make a difference if it's just playing basketball in the afternoon in a supervised yeah. environment at least it's safe that's the idea is getting that reprieve just to have enough of a, of a space to put in that, that information you're talking about is like, okay, uh, how do I develop my mind beyond what's happened to me through trauma and through, you know, the other situations that cause some, some developmental issues. And we know that's a fact that trauma is definitely uh, causing effects on the brain for behavior and the way that we make decisions and so forth. And, and I think the, the more that we accept that, the more that we can sort of, fix it or try to find a solution for it in theory of course yes i mean you guys are a nonprofit, so that means that you're also either raising money or getting uh grant money somehow Grants, keep- yeah. yeah exactly and yeah. It, it seems like it seems like these are the things that the city or the government or, or the provinces should probably be promoting on their own but they don't yeah it's hard. Yeah. That is one of the things like we have a whole team that's putting together, doing the grant process and looking for these, searching for them, applying for them. And that's a whole job. And it's not necessarily the easiest one, but we're, I'm thankful and grateful for those in our group that are able to do that and do do it because then we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to give as much as we can give if it wasn't sure. for them. Sure. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's important if you can get uh, some sort of celebrity endorsement, you know, if you get somebody from one of the teams or whatever else to come on board, you guys, that makes a really big, diff, big difference because it, it adds legitimacy to your program and also gives yeah. you an amount of promotion. So I'm sure that they probably have considered that. If not, I'm already thinking in my mind, who do I know? <laughs> who um, do you know how? I yeah. just don't have a lot of uh, sports people in my roster because it's never been my forte, but maybe I know a guy who knows a guy or something. Yeah. So definitely. And, yeah, for sure. I'd like to see you guys make a go of it, of course. Definitely. I think that's so useful to have that reprieve in those situations because it, it, it sometimes it's just enough in a, in a time of making a critical decision to think, well, you know, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so probably wouldn't like if I did that. So maybe I won't. Yeah. That's how I thought. That's really what it is. It's that, that moment of pause. It's like allowing it's their abilities to do that on their own is, is really one of the key things mm-hmm. we want to help to mm-hmm. just give them. Yeah. So aside from, from uh, issues that normally come along with poverty and, of course, you know, the sort of the bleak landscape of the inner city that happens for young people, what do you think is, is more of an issue for them that maybe we didn't face or you didn't face growing up? Ooh. You think it's the social media aspect? Whew. Don't get me started on that. So I'll teach, I'll talk from the teacher side of it because <laughs> I'm seeing it now, and that is definitely – I think one of the struggles of our, our youth or that's going to be a big struggle for some of them or many of them is 
it's the lack of almost discipline. It's the ability to kind of put your head down and be able to do the things you don't want to do, um, which is key in life. I have to go do marketing that I don't want to do, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'll force myself to, I'll find a way, I'll put aside my phone, do what I have to do. Um, a lot of students lack the ability to really that that self-discipline and i mean there are adults who lack self-discipline so <laughs> right but it's a struggle i resemble i resemble that remark thank you very much <laughs> so you know but that is a really big struggle with because of how addictive social media is at this point and how much it's a part of their lives like i see it in the classroom them struggling to put down the phone enough to pay attention to me for like the 20 to 30 minutes for the lesson um and I think the other thing is there's like a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm seeing in my students, they're, they're really anxious. There's this need for things to be really perfect. And the idea of making mistakes and almost like failing is the end all be all. And the problem with that is there's a lot of stress behind that. So kids are having, you know, anxiety issues and they have to go, they can't do the test this day or they have to, you know, take a break because they're, they're so stressed out about failing or making a mistake. And it's like, life is all about mistakes. You're going to make them. It's bound to happen. And as much as I can reiterate it, it's, it's a real struggle I'm seeing in the young folks. And it's, it's, a, it's one of the big things that I think it's, it's going to be hard as a collect, like, how do we get all these young folks to not be terrified to fail at something? How other than to let life just they'll have to realize it? Yeah, I, I guess there's, there's a lot of those elements that, that, we have to sort of consider. I, I never sort of swam against the technology aspect in the classroom of the phones, especially in China, where they would, you know, put up the, the kindergarten phone sock thing, you know, <laughs> put your phones up. I'm like, this is a university and these kids are studying to go overseas. You know, if they can't manage themselves here in this environment, there's nothing that, that we can, can do, do. Yeah. to make a difference. And so I used to take that thing and throw it off the, the school <laughs> counter. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the phone police here for young right. adults, right? They know the policy. That's their choice, unfortunately. Uh, what did you think of the students in, in Trong in Thailand? Mm. I mean, super sweet, but I wouldn't say overly ambitious. I would actually agree with you. Yeah. They are the sweetest and kindest people, but I agree. There's almost, it's almost like a little back, like going back in time a bit. They're a little bit more um, traditional in nature. Sure. They're actually not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> They're very traditional. I think because of that, they lack some of the, that ambition that you might see like versus here in North America where kids are just like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they're trying to be the top of the best of this and that. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, it's a good and a bad. It's almost like it's a part, it's part of the culture. I found them Thailand to be very relaxed in nature. Everything was, it, you know, as it comes, like it goes, there wasn't much of a rush or a need to push versus here in North America. It's like, no, I have to get a hundred. No, I got to be the top of the class. And there's all of that pressure so very very different and again good and bad so like the good part is you I have students who are gunning for a hundred in some of my classes bad thing is then I also have students who are like stressed out because they can't handle you know doing an assessment and they miss the day or two of class and they don't know what to do so it is it's very very different I think in Thailand I appreciated their their calm and ease and their like relaxed nature. Cause I'm very much like that as a person generally. But when it comes to schooling, it's sometimes nice to also have students who are very like, I'm going to be going hard oh, sure. at this. Oh, sure. Yeah. You think, you think, yeah, you can see the, the immediate result of, of your lesson or whatever else like that. Exactly. I, I always said that in Thailand, because it's sort of a, a regimental uh, regimented sort of strata 
like a caste system, so to speak. Yes. And so even if you had a student who could do really well, they knew that unless they had connections, they probably wouldn't get very far ahead. And so they just, you know, relax, right? It's like, mm-hmm. why, why stress yourself out over it? For sure, in that case. <laughs> um, I remember that, I can't remember, one of you had a huge workload. And it was like so many different classes, you know, and I thought, man, you got the short end of the stick on that one. Um, and, and, and remember, it was brutal because it was like someone was teaching like, you know, two, three classes of this and two classes of that. And it was like, you know, rock, paper and scissors. Who's going to do this? Do it. Yeah. And, and that's the feeling that I got sometimes with the, with the foreign teachers is like, let's just give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to do it. We can't do it. Give it to them and they'll do it and so forth. And again, because of that, that sort of laissez-faire feeling of the students, you don't make a lot of progression in, in, in I think, in a short period of time, um, which, which I wasn't really used to. So that's, that's the other issue that I had, had was the, sort of the lack of uh, drive from the students. You know, I was very spoiled with the Chinese students who were ultimately overly ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. It's true. You didn't really see much progress. It's kind of, it was just a, you're kind of doing this, but are we doing anything? Um, sometimes it's it felt like time. that. Exactly. Sometimes time. it really felt like that. So you, do you still talk to your students? In, I have a trouble? few of them. I have I a few do. of them on Instagram. And so sometimes, you know, I'll like a photo, they'll like a photo. Um, it's really cute. Uh, I, 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 I want to go back. My goal, Karina's like me and Karina have been saying like 10 years. So what, four more years until we get to 10 years, if it was six years ago, we'll go back in 10 years. And I would love to visit. I, I'm, I miss Thailand so much. I loved it. Yeah, well, it's it's open now. Um, I've tried to go back two or three times. Since. Uh, you know, the first time was the uh, you know the extra quarantine, all that stuff like that. So I wasn't really interested in it. Um, and so now it's the good time of year to be here. I'm in the other Vancouver in Washington State, and so in this case, I would like to you know wait until winter time. <laughs> yeah, so no, the, that makes sense. Exactly yeah, for sure. And you guys are famous for your winters there as well. Oh, I've got some people in, in Toronto as well that, that moved over there from China. And the first winter blew their mind. So very good. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there uh, any other questions, comments, or suggestions? Anything you want to throw out there before we take off? I told you about half an hour. It's amazing to see you. You know, I'm, I'm biased. I've always loved you. I've always thought you're an amazing person personality you know just everything about you is fantastic and and i can't i can't praise or or brag enough about you as (laughs) as as a colleague as a person uh, just just in general you're one of my favorite people and always have been so i appreciate that you are too sweet honestly i am so glad that we met because i'm telling you between you were like it felt like a little piece of home as well. Like it was wonderful. And I was so glad that we were able to have all those experiences in Thailand. So one day I'm hoping that, you know, we get to meet back up somewhere in the world and do a little bit more of that. Why not? Yep. Anytime. Yeah. I, I got to get my, my carnival experience one of these days. <laughs> okay. There we go. See? <laughs> all right. Would you, all right. Would, you, would you tell us about your organization one more time if people want to find yes. out about that? So we are Generation Chosen. I'm going to just pull up the name. I always forget. It's Generation Chosen on Instagram. It is. Mm, internet wants to be slow today. <laughs> so Jen uh, underscore Chosen with a three as your 
as a letter E. And so we do, like I said, emotional intelligent, mental health stuff for uh, youth. Um, if you ever want to donate or even participate, share some of the information that we post there. It's just a great space, really helpful. And I think we do a lot for the community. And so we just try to give back to those around us, right? That's awesome. So, That's awesome. So uh, part of my delay was trying to find the picture here in the background. <laughs> the Dugan Fountain from Tron. Oh. Remember, I have to go around that. Yeah, a thousand times. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the clock tower is what I remember in my mind, like, perfectly. Yep, yeah, sure. Good times. Always. Yeah, we'll get back there eventually. Well, thank you for your time and uh, keep in touch. And I'll look for you yeah. online. And, and once I get everything posted up, I'll send it over to you guys. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm so glad I got to speak to you for this little bit. Me too. Take... All right. Well, take care. Be good. See you. All right. Bye.